Everybody say the third day. I'm going to welcome you this, this Easter Sunday morning. And that's our sermon today. It's called the third day. The reason why we can celebrate today because it's the third day. If you've been around, you come. How many people came for Good Friday service? Raise your hand. We celebrated Good Friday, the day that Jesus was on the cross and he was buried. We did three baptisms here. And I can imagine Jesus on earth for 33 years, 30 years incognito, three years of ministry, equipped 12, had 12 guys walk with him. Then he came with this blast of, guys, I'm going to be here just for a little while. I'm going to die. I'll be risen, and then we'll carry on. I can imagine their mouths just dropping through the floor. Are you kidding me? It must have been about maybe Thursday that week. We get the scripture of uh, Luke 18, 33. He's trying to explain to him exactly what's going to happen to him. He says, after flogging him, flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. And he's trying to tell out the disciples. And I know they're like, are you kidding me? It's hard to comprehend. We walked with you for three years. We spent time with you. We hung out together. And this is the way we're going to become victorious. This is the way you're going to establish your kingdom on earth. And then the days happened. And they, remember, we talked about last week, they claimed, we'll be there all the way with you. And the first time he got arrested, they all split. And just the, just the shame they felt and just the confusion, and they were so frightened. One hung around, John as close as he could. Peter, the leader of the church, denied him three times and took off. And Friday had to be a very hard day for them. But even harder, Saturday had to be a very hard day. Day two, when we call Holy Saturday, and that's the day of hopelessness set in. It, what he said, is that really going to come true or not? What do we do now? He's gone. And then Sunday morning, early, the third day. So we went out to see the tomb because it was after Passover. And they ran down and saw the stone rolled away. And they, who stole the body? Now their faith wasn't perfect, but it sure was sufficient. And they had a couple angels speak to them. Why are you looking for, for the living among the dead? And Ms. Donna reminded me of something I read earlier this week. The stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to come out, but for us to go in. Because that's the separation from God that just ended for the third day, the power of the third day. Then he was risen. And he saw Peter. And they still were a little frightened and confused. He saw him a couple times. They locked, went up in the upper room and locked themselves in there and said, I don't know, this is over, this is over. And you know, Jesus, whenever you're frightened and you're having a very rough time, he kind of shows up any way he wants to, doesn't he? So the doors were locked, but that didn't stop him from getting close to him, did it? He walked right through the door. Same thing with your situation. You're frightened and confused. and what's, He'll show up. Don't worry about it. He won't know where I'm at. Oh, he knows exactly where you are. And he shows up. Seems about, seen by 500 people, seen the disciples a couple times, but they still were a little shaky. Then we get down to Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 47. It's about 40 days since you've been around, and some of the writers say, and he shows up and testifies what he said he was going to do, and he does it. Says this, starting in verse 44. Then he said to him, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you guys. 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, that's what is written is the Christ should suffer on the, everyone to the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. First part of that verse, he's reiterating what he told them back on that Thursday. Guys, month, I mean, weeks ago, I'm coming back. And you have me know God's word is pure. Whatever he says is going to happen will take place. Nothing falls at his wayside. But he also talks about how this Bible that we carry around is a manual of redemption. He said from the book of Moses, the five books, the law, the prophets, and all the Psalms record me, testify about me. Now, we blew it. If you know your Bible in Genesis chapter 3, we kind of blew it till we get down to 3.15 and God had a plan. His name was Jesus, called the crimson thread of redemption. This whole Bible is about how he came to redeem us. So there's nothing left out. You can't say it's the Old Testament doesn't count. No, he's in it. Everything you see leads back to Christ. He is the center of our lives, the center of this word, the center of the universe. And that's amazing. When you look at it, John, I mean, Jesus had some problems with some Pharisees who thought they knew a lot. They want to read the Bible for knowledge. He told them in John chapter 5, 39, it says, you know, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. He was talking about everything we read comes back to Jesus. Everything we read comes back to Jesus. You can, it's not a book you can't open up. Jesus is in here. You talk about the temple. Represents Christ, the Lamb of God. You know, that's how he wants us to live our life. Jesus is about everything. He doesn't want to be left out. He needs to be the center of everything. He's the center of the universe. He needs to be the center of our lives. And I used to read this, you know, the story, the resurrection, and I would get mad. Because I said, man, on Romans... Them punks. I could say that. It's in my closet. I'm praying. And Jewish, how come those guys couldn't get it right? Jewish guys, how can they kill them? And then God, when I started reading the scriptures, um, the Romans and the Jews didn't kill Jesus. I'll send it. I'll send it. That's what put them there. And we couldn't pay the price. So God took his very best, his very begotten son, to, take the, to pay the price that we weren't allowed, we couldn't pay. To bear the beating that we couldn't take. Which gives me a better revelation about, wow, my whole life should be about thanking God. Because he made, he made us the center of his mission. How do you know a guy, I'm on earth for 33 years to save mankind. That's all. That's my mission. To save mankind. And just give them, save them, but I'm also the God for the rest of their days. The rest of eternity. They didn't teach that in Sunday school. And even, I'm doing this, even though you're going to reject me. Even though you're going to go your own way and do whatever you want. 
Even though you're going to call me names and call those people Jesus freaks and all that other stuff, I'm still going to die for you. Because it says in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love for us while we were what? Still sinners. Christ died for us. Wasn't about our behavior. It was about a mission of getting people back. Praise God. That makes me, thank you, Lord. It wasn't about me rejecting you. You already knew I was going to reject you. He already knew the script, but he did it anyway. I want, to, I want to really encourage you, like I told you a couple weeks ago, start reading the Gospels. You need to at least read it three times a year. And let God speak to you, the revelation. And I'll tell you what, you will become humbled, but I'll tell you what, you'll be so thankful. Because, look at it, because Jesus has risen, there's no such thing as a bad day for us. Now, there's bad experiences, But since he died on the cross, it's all good days. Amen? Amen. Now, when I was looking at this and the resurrection of Christ and trying to find a story, I learned a lot in Sunday school. Didn't seem like I was paying attention, but I was. Call a prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. How many know about the prodigal son? How many have read that before? If you didn't read it, we're going to send you to Sunday school right now. <laughs> it's about two sons. One is serving, both of them serving their dad. Dad was very well off. Young man, teenager, no job. You know, y'all got teenagers, right? They know everything. Amen? Parents? He said, oh, preach it. Okay. That's another sermon next week. comes up to his dad I want my inheritance now now he was he was actually he was actually due a third the older son got two thirds he got a third and the dad was legally to tell him no but you know his dad kind of mirrored our father God He gave him grace, and he gave him what he wanted. He kind of let him go his own way. Because even though the son, when he asked him for their finances or asked him for their property, he was saying this, you know, Dad, this is how much I love you. I just wish you were dead now so I can get everything I got coming to me. And don't we do that without living? God, I know you're great. I know you got grace. I know you're awesome. I'm going to do what I want to do. Just give me, give me what I want. Give me everything I want. And when I need you, I'll call you. And then two things happen. You get what you want. I want that job. You get the job. Then you're gone. Or you don't get the job. Then you're mad. <laughs> then you won't come because you're mad. Or you, this is great till the job runs out. I can care less. So he gets it. He's just basically telling his dad, I can care less. The father, like our father, God, the grace he extended to him, he kind of lets us go on way. Jesus could have stopped any moment in the prayer of Gethsemane when he said, Father, take this cup from me. God gave him a choice because he was human. But he said this, not my will but your will be done. So I said, let me do it your will. I know my will is saying, I 
don't want to do this. But your will says, you have to do this because otherwise they will not get back in right relationship with me. The choices we make, the power of choice. And naturally he takes what he takes, the young man, got it too early, spent everything, having great, went to the clubs, <laughs> hung out with some prostitutes, just spent it all. And that was the money that was supposed to rest the rest of his life. Got into a bad jam. And he's Jewish in a bad jam. He knows a bad jam when you say, I guess I'll go ahead and work the pigs because Jewish culture then, pigs were filthy and dirty, unclean. You don't, a Jewish and pig, uh-uh, that don't happen. And then you're so hungry, <laughs> them pigs are eating pretty good. I want some food. But one thing I love, that God, though he gives us choice, he also gave us a conscience. And in that conscience is the Holy Spirit. Because two things I want to unpack this with you. The first one is repentance, and the second one is forgiveness when it comes to the story. He came to his senses. Which means he came, he thought, and he took off, which is that word repentance. The word repentance means this, turning back. Not just saying it, turning back. And he said, I, I'm going to go tell my dad, because he noticed even the servants are eating better than I am. Man, his guys are eating great, because no one in the world will give him anything. Because, see, let me tell you about sin. The wages of it is death. Sin promises freedom, but it just causes more slavery. Because whatever you partake of, you become a slave of. And your appetite will determine the altitude. It's fun for a season. You love the beer commercials on TV. They come in there and they do this thing, drink a couple of beers, but then you read in the paper how much someone wrapped their car around the pole. That's the end of the story. It was fun until you couldn't see where you were going. You got in that car and almost killed yourself. Or you took too many drugs in your old deed. Or we always say, you know, hey, it's God's permissive will. No, it's not. It's your own appetite. You know what he says. We can't live life, but what I gotta, what's the least I can do for God? What can I get away with? Can't do that. So he comes back. Now his dad, if you look at the, the Old Testament law, he wouldn't have to take him back. You took your money, you're dead. You're done. You're lost. See you. And I know some dads today. You left here. You took all that money. Embarrassed me and the whole village because the whole village knew about it. You took out and you squandered all our money. Plus the fact you sold, the land was sold to someone who's not in our inheritance. Are you kidding me? Come back. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're not even coming back to pay rent. You're not coming back, period. You're dead. But the gracious father we have, even though we reject him, 
was his father's attitude. He was out looking. Never stopped looking. Because he had more faith in the prodigal than the prodigal had in himself. He said, he'll be back. You know, our father God has more faith in us than we have in ourselves sometimes because that's why the third day is so important because he knew that Jesus rise from the dead, we will turn back to him. That's a big gamble for him, right? But he has more faith in you sometimes than you have in yourself. She comes back, turns back, came to his senses, confessed to his father. As he was confessing to his father, I love it. His father didn't say, keep talking. Now, go work the field three weeks. Come back and tell me again how you feel. In fact, go back to them pigs you had. They were better than you were. They're better than I was. Remember that? Or, you know, I heard this before. I told you so. I told you so. You going to leave me? See ya. Don't we think God acts like that sometimes? Dad sees him. He runs out opens his arms and walks him back. Now it's interesting because it said the dad had compassion. Could have got the dad killed because in those days by the law, if my son took the inheritance and destroyed it and gave us a bad name, the village was obligated. You know, I grew up, everyone in my neighborhood was, had a permission to spank me. When I got off the bus, they already knew I did something wrong. My mom gave them permission, and not spanking. Wear you out. Y'all know you. Don't matter. I'm on the authority of your mother. They had permission to kill him. It's by the law. Destroy him. The father knew that. That's why the father ran out to hug him. Because in those days, you you died by rocks. So he's going to throw the rocks. He's going to hit the dad. The dad said, kill me, but my son will survive. That's how much I love my creation. Kill my son. He'll come back. That's how much I love them. He didn't stop there. Put the coat on him. Nice coat. Represent honor. Welcome back into the family. And then he says, you got to take, you got, you're walking barefoot. You're not my servant. You are my son. You are my daughter. See, you think you miss God so much. You blew it so bad. You think he's just going to make you a servant and push you to the side. He puts the coat back on you. Puts the sandals on you and says, welcome back into the family. We know you are strayed off somewhere, but we've been waiting for you to come back. And there's no, there's no condemnation there, only grace and compassion. I'll protect you, I'll watch over you, and I'm going to give you some more freedom to make the more choices. Last time I checked, that's good news. That is the gospel, the love of God for us. When we take communion, he, in the song we were singing, how we're victorious not for anything we've done because we, Jesus is victorious. Had nothing to do with our behavior. Had everything to do with his grace. Now, it doesn't give you permission to do whatever you want because what keeps me from sinning or screwing up 
on purpose is his mercy. It blows me away. It's like Romans 2, by the mercies of God. Live your life as a, as a living sacrifice. The mercies are so deep that I know me. I would have killed me. He knew me too. He knew my heart when I cursed at him. And I said, you, you, don't, you know God? What kind of God are you and all these bad things that happen to me? I don't want nothing to do with you. And I was strung out when I was a young teenager because I went through some rough stuff. And he still protected me. Didn't let me OD. Didn't let me end it. And then when I said, I'm yours, he put the coat on. Put the sandals on. Welcome home. Now, you are a little away from home, but I'm teaching you a whole lot to help other people come home. You wouldn't have learned that any other way. I'm like, I wish you would have told me that from the beginning. As he repented with that coat and the hug meant total forgiveness immediately. Just like he never left. Never gives you, doesn't tell you how long he was gone. It's like he never did it. Don't you, that Jesus didn't, well, I'll die for that sin, but I'm not dying for that one. Check mark. Um, well, no, Father, they're too far gone. Like we do, people? Check mark. Don't we? They're murderers, they? you know. And we judge ourselves by Billy Graham. I'm not that bad. <laughs> You're so bad, Jesus died on the cross. For the sins you were going to commit, the ones you would probably do right now if you call me names under your breath. And what you're going to do this afternoon? You're going to tip your waitress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I pray for you right now. It's the power of the third day. He said this. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. You know, we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin. In fact, you looked at Ephesians 2. We were dead and and doomed. It's hard. You know, when you're dead, but you're doomed also? I mean, dead is something, but doomed? Wow. (laughs) But through grace... Of the Father, through his Son, to take what is dead and which is doomed and turn it into life. That's the gospel. That's why I like his good news, because I don't deserve to be here. None of us do. And you can't judge God off external things. It's your relationship with him. When I looked at this, this God, this the prodigal son, it took me back to the gospel of John 3, 16 to 18. It was, it was amazing because God's love is so broad and massive. This father's heart was so broad. I mean, your son leaves you and just takes off and just calls you. You're just better off dead, and you welcome him back. Well, just same thing. We're, we're just doing our own thing. He says, I'm going to send my, 2,000 years ago, I'm going to send my only begotten son to die on the cross for those who might reject me anyway. But I'm going to do it anyway because I love them so much. It's hard to fathom. And until you get that reality of God's love, all your relationships will be messed up because you look for it in other people or other things. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to what? Everyone said, thank Lord. Thank you, God. But in order that the world might be what? Saved through him. Keep going. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, here's that choice again, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now, when a lot of times when you, God gets a bad rap, how can he send his people to hell? How can he send them to eternal damnation? He's not doing that. We do that when we say no. We used to do that in the military. I used to give a guy a grade in the beginning of the year. I said, hey, this is what you need to get better. At the end of the year, he didn't want to get better. So I wrote it. He said, you, you are mean. No, I said, you wrote it. You write your ticket. I did all the work. I died on the cross. You wrote the story. I didn't write the story. You condemn yourself. You're already condemned. And you know you're condemned because you feel it. Nothing works right. It didn't work when I was running around without God. It didn't feel comfortable drinking. It didn't feel comfortable doing drugs. Something was always, my mom, she left me with something. I said, what is that? She left me. I came out in a successful sinner. What is that? I don't want to stay there all night. And you know how y'all did it. Some of y'all lying. You know, y'all go out and drink and repent, right? I will never do this again. Right? And then Friday, you're back at it. That's why repentance is, is nothing. Unless it's godly. Think about it. So he shows that he came to save us, not kill us. And men judge ourselves. We judge ourselves. But he said to believe is eternal life. John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life that you know the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. He said to receive eternal life is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of it. It has nothing to do with the quantity of life. It's all about the quality of life when you walk in an intimacy with God. When he talked about know the true God, not to know him by a prayer, but have a great intimate fellowship with him continually. That brings up the quality of life regardless of what's going on around you. Because outside of that, it's not going to work. Another person is not going to fulfill that. A job and money is not going to fulfill that. Only he can fulfill that. And it's about the quality of life. When you see people, things are falling apart around and like, I'm still strong. Who is that? Christ himself, because he became the center of their lives. Now, is it easy? Oh, no. They won't let you see you in your car crying, but they're going to see you out public like, it's going to be all right. The third day. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me. It's going to be just fine. That's the eternal life. And it's just not the end. It's the beginning. And you always, the question comes up, how do you receive this? And we have so many things that people do and come up with. How do you receive eternal life? Give you a simple answer. Confess and believe. John 10, 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your what? Not your head. Head will mess you up. That God raised who? From the dead. You will be what? 
For with the heart, got to believe with the heart, because your mind will change quickly. And it's justified, and with the mouth one confesses is saved. That justification, just like the prodigal son. His dad didn't throw it up in his face. Where's my million dollars? It's like it never happened. That's what justification, like it never happened. Whenever we come to a part in Easter and any service, when it's talking about giving my life fully, because those who, who walk with Jesus for a little while until life got tough and they feel like he let me down, he let my marriage go, he let this down, you kind of stop. And you say, I'll show him. I just won't show up. I'll go to the club. And that, that you hurting him? You're not hurting him. Really? You're hurting him? And who are you going to meet in the club? No one respectable. And you put yourself right back in the same position you were when you first went in there. He said, why don't you just hang out with me? I'll find a respectable one. But when I hear and I talk about this stuff, this, this thing, as a pastor and as a minister, just before I, you know, when I talk to people, there's one word that everyone says they have, time. I have time to get it right. I said, Really? So you believe you have a few days. And there was, there was a crazy saying we used to say um, when we used to do evangelism and scare people. Hey, you know, you, uh, if you were going to die today or tomorrow, do you know Jesus? And they're like, yeah, right. Just get out of my face. And I thought that was crazy. And then God starts showing that's not crazy. Last few years have been kind of weird. Different. Me and, Ms. and talk because I'm talking about eternity. Everyone, put your hand up like this. If you're a guest, you ain't got to do that. See, we think eternity is way out here. I got time. I got time. But eternity has a way of just sneaking up on you. It, one day, me and Miss Nutt, she had to go get a procedure at the hospital. Normal procedure, nothing big. I sit there like Johnny Bench. I wait. Next thing we know, I'm being rushed to the hospital. Across the street, praise God, eternity came to her like that. A few weeks ago, I went through a normal I went through a procedure. And something went wrong. And my heart stopped. Just like on a moment. And eternity said, wham. See, guys. You think you have time? <laughs> My days are numbered by the Lord, but he didn't give me, he didn't tell me when. There is no more time. You can't look at time. Eternity showed up that morning. I didn't even know what happened. I she said, I'll tell you later. But I know she wouldn't leave my side after that. Eternity came quickly. Now, the only securing thing I had is I know Jesus. And then when I woke up, she said, I'll tell you later. I saw the peace in her eyes. He knew Jesus. Now, would it be painful if I crossed over to the other side? Yes. Here, but there, no. It's peace in my soul. See, one time about a quality of life, if you're running around nervous about something might happen and you're not sure, you're in a bad place. It's like taking a 357 Magnum, putting it to your head, click, click, waiting for that bullet to go. Because it's a life-death situation. And you can play with God, and you can run and all that. That's great. But what happens when the time runs out? 
It's not easy. But if you're, saying, if you're a pastor, yeah, it came like this. Just this close. Then I got a revelation. I am not going to be playing with things that are unimportant. The most important thing that we came to the conclusion is, just recently, is Jesus Christ and people getting to know him and disciple them. I'm not into any other stuff. It's to get this gospel out as to many people as possible because that's the only thing he left me with. It brought clarity to my life because I know time is short. And some of you read the paper. Some of you are sitting out here worried about ISIS. And some of you are worrying about the, 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 whatever the big oil boom, a bang, whatever's going to happen to it. What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen? You know why? That's fear-based living, not faith-based living. Now, I'm not saying coming to Jesus makes everything pretty, but I tell you what, it makes my eyes look at it that way. How about you? You have a massive God doing like, how long are you going to run out in the field and, and ruin and just tear up everything I gave you? How, when are you going to start being serious with me? When's your repentance going to be real versus I say it and I go back to what I'm doing? And guess what? He doesn't condemn you for it because it's your choice. He loves you. That's what he did to son. Son did not deserve it. We didn't, Jesus did not deserve any of that. We did. And that's when you bring it home. That's when you really bring it home. Every eye closed, every head bowed. That's when you bring it home. You ask yourself, especially if you don't know Jesus, have I really confessed him? Have I really believed? Did I believe he's going to give me something or did I stick around for him to make me somebody? See, all the son wanted was give me a meal. He said, I'm going to make you a son. I'm going to make you a daughter. There's so much more coming back home. How about you? If you don't know who Jesus is, here's the thing about time. Everyone's testimony who knows Jesus trumps your time. Because time, you got to throw it out the window. If you don't know who Jesus is and you want to give your life, you believe in your heart. It's a perfect opportunity this morning. Why don't you raise your hand wherever you are? Just raise your hand.